All right, good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah, all right. Terrific. It's an honor to be with you. It's good to be with you. It's been about um, six years uh, since I shared with you on a Sunday morning. That was, it feels like a long time ago. It was before Tabitha and I were married, and for most of us, we can probably say that in six years, a lot happens. I've certainly enjoyed uh, all of you that have shared the songs, um, the, the heartbeat of pursuing the Lord and receiving life from Him. Uh, I've enjoyed that, especially in our time together this morning. And off of that, I would like to talk about some things that maybe, for myself, it's easy to not talk about, but nonetheless... They seem to happen and arise, um, whether or not we like to talk about them or not. Garfield, how many of you remember Garfield? I don't know if Garfield's even a thing anymore, but the little tiger, you know, that used to have the comic strip, he said it, I think he says it real well. I'm easy to get along with as long as things go my way. And I tell you, that just really makes a lot of sense to me because that just is a true statement. And sometimes when those... Um, you know, things don't go my way, it looks so simple, you know, and the way I respond in the moment, whether it's, you know, within my family or whether it's to a coworker or whatever it is, it seems so simple. Like, for instance, I was 17 years old and I was working a summer job and I was by myself, you know, and I was just kind of all overwhelmed with my own feelings. I was feeling lonely and, you know, all alone and all by myself, and so I come up with this bright idea that, you know, back in Indiana, it's just so easy to be a Christian, you know, and I got all my friends, and I got my church, and it just feels so much better, but now, since I'm here for a couple months, you know, I'm just going to kind of take life on my own shoulders, and I know God's there, but it just feels like I really need to take charge right now, right? So doing it my own way then, you know, seemed like such a little decision, but all of a sudden, these little decisions, they can look so big, like um, the morning, this has been a long time ago, but I was, this is back in the day when we had these little, these little um, laminated sheets you would put on the power projector or whatever, and then it would shoot on the wall. Remember that? You sing songs, you put the song down, and all of a sudden it appears on the wall. I was doing that for a family member on Sunday morning. We were singing songs and whatever, and a week later, that very same family member that I was helping is filing for divorce and leaving the church. Well, that was weird. I didn't see that coming, right? So all of a sudden, these little decisions that Garfield talks about, you know, they can just get so much bigger so fast. How many of you recognize the name Joshua Harris? Some of you, yes. I don't mention his name to throw him under the bus or make him... For any other reason, just so that we can kind of identify with each other during the story. So Joshua Harris is a guy from Canada that back in the day, uh, which was, I don't know, 20 years ago, he wrote this book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And when I was in college, my roommate wrote a, a paper on this book. Now, I didn't need to do that because I never got close enough girls to kiss anyways. But he did, so he wrote the book, you know, and he wrote his little essay paper, and it was impressive and all that. Well, Joshua Harris wrote another book, uh, 
in years past, Boy Meets Girl. And that one was a really good book. Uh, my wife and I looked at that before we got married, and we liked it. Thought it had a lot of smart things in it. Some of them we applied to our lives. And within the last, I don't know if it's 18, 19, somewhere in there, Joshua Harris, who uh, has had a big church in Canada, his little brothers, just as a side note, his little brothers came out with this book, Do Hard Things, and it was encouraging young people to do hard things and not just settle for the status quo of wearing, I don't know, sweatpants till noon and playing movie, movie games or something like that, you know. Anyhow, so he came from a predominant or a very well-known family. He had a big church in Canada, and he was writing books, and he was really doing things. Christian guy. And he renounces his faith, leaves the church, and his wife and him, you know, come to all kinds of differences, and they separate. Well, that's weird, too. He was a pastor. He's no longer in the church. What happens that brings someone to this point? Now, as we sit here this morning, we all can come up, you know, with our own stories of, well, this is someone I know, or this was someone in my family. Or maybe, you're, you know, your story's different, and this is an unexpected death that changed my life, or whatever. But when those things don't go our way, how do we respond? And, you know, there's a world of people on YouTube that want to share their ideas about um, you know, why they left the faith and whatever. But, you know, we have those stories in our own lives to some extent that we come in contact with and we bump up against just like um, my experiences or, you know, Joshua Harris's experiences of people that um, previously held a position and then they changed their tune and like, yeah, we're not there anymore. You know, we joke about having country music and rewind. You get your girlfriend back, your dog doesn't get hit on the road, and, you know, all this, you know, everything just gets better. Sometimes we wish it was that simple, right? Sometimes life brings us questions that um, cause us to make a decision. And I feel like in that moment of decision, we find out just how our previous decisions, whether we realized it or not, the previous decisions that brought us to that point really begin to matter all of a sudden, right? We're going to look at that a little bit more. Before we get uh, too carried away, though, I'd like us to turn to John chapter 6, verse 60. And the reason that we're reading this passage this morning is because Jesus um, was talking to the crowds and he was telling them things that he would have titled or he would have called as the spirit and life sermon, all right? He said, Jesus, what do you do today? Well, we went out and I gave the spirit and life speech. The disciples, if you would have asked them, I think they would have said, today we heard hashtag worst sermon ever. Because that's kind of what they thought. Because Jesus gives this sermon about, um, truly I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So he gave the eat my flesh, drink my blood speech, but he, he went on to clarify um, that it's about abiding in him and doing life in him. Um, and in verse 60, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, do you take offense at this? 
then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Because Jesus knew from the beginning who it was that did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you, no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my Father. And I just want to draw an emphasis to verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so as you and I, and maybe you don't feel this way, but there's a possibility you might as you see stuff, it's like, man, that's not good for the church. That's not good for Christianity. And, oh, man, if he gets elected, what's going to happen, right? So maybe those things go through your head sometimes. Well, there were people, it's not going to be the first time that someone turned their back on Jesus or decided that, that it didn't make sense, right? Here we see a situation where in a response to Jesus' message, many people turned away. And it goes on, and Jesus has a really great conversation with his own disciples that we're not going to talk about today. But if you would now, since we're in the Gospels, turn back to Luke. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells another parable. And I'd like to look at that. In Luke chapter 8, verse 4, a great crowd was gathering, and people from town came out to him. And he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and it grew up. But it withered away because it had no moisture. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up. And choked it, and some fell into the good soil and yielded a hundredfold. So we have the seed that fell on the path, we have the seed that fell on the rocks, and we have the seed that fell on the thorns, and fourthly, we have the seed that landed on the good soil. And Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples, God bless their honesty, they're right back at it, and they say, Well, we hear you, but can you please commentate? In verse 9, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and in that hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones that fell along the path are those that when they have heard, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Now wait a second. Who takes away the seed from their heart? Feel free to just shout it out. Okay, very good. Verse 13. Actually, the end of 12. So that when they believe, so that they may not believe and be saved. Verse 13. The ones... On the rock are those that hear the word and receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, 
And in that time of testing, they fall away. And as for those who fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and a good heart with fruit and bear fruit with patience. We hear about four different types of fruit there. And they're going along, it grows up, and then something happens. And it withers away. The fourth type didn't wither away. But things happen. And then they die. We all get to make decisions in our lives. And I'd like to suggest that those decisions that we make, they have compounding consequences. Sure, the first decision, it just seems like, well, I lost my cool and I couldn't help it, right? But that decision gives way to another decision. Just like when that seed fell on the, the path, right? It sprouted up, but because it was on the path, it wasn't going to work. But some seed fell on the good soil, and after it sprouted, it did work, and it bore a hundredfold. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this parable this morning, but I want to draw those four spectrums of the four opportunities and suggest to all of us is that when we make decisions, there are different outcomes that can come from those decisions, just like the seeds that grew and just like the seeds that didn't grow. And I'd like for us to think about it in the context of compounding decisions, decisions that build one upon another. To a bad way of seed that doesn't bear fruit, doesn't bear fruit and just doesn't go anywhere because it's on the rocks or getting choked by a thorn or whatever, or seeds that take root and compound in a positive way, in a positive way. And those really take an effort. They don't happen by themselves. Even though those seeds that fell among the, the path and they sprouted up, right? They made an effort, right? But all their, where they were, because they were on the path, because they were in the rocks, because of the throne, thorns, those other decisions, the atmosphere that they were in, they dictated and they changed the outcome. And you know, all of us, we get to make those decisions too. Sometimes when someone says, well, I just don't believe anymore. Well, that didn't happen overnight. And the story I gave about the church leader that left his church, that didn't happen overnight. The story I gave about my family member that was leading songs one Sunday and gone the next, that didn't happen overnight either. For some perspective, I'd like to share a few verses with us. And you can just listen to these. 1 Corinthians 2.14 The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. 
and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The Apostle Peter wrote to us in a time where people were questioning and saying something along the lines of, why isn't the Lord coming back? We can't believe that. He's not here yet. What's going on? Why are we doing this? Peter says this in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but, he's not, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. John 6, 40, Jesus said it this way. The Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise, as count, some count slowness, I'm sorry, I read the same verse twice. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone that looks on the Son, John 6, 40, and believes on him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now we're getting into our perspective of God and how we are making decisions based on our belief about God. I was listening to a YouTuber recently, and he was just convinced that there were contradictions in Deuteronomy and Isaiah that just couldn't be worked out in any way, and that that and a whole bunch of other stuff contributed to his decision to abandon faith. But Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, that if our, if our um, faith is solely based upon this life, we are of all men most miserable. If Jesus Christ hadn't been indeed raised from the dead, and if this life was all about following the rules and, you know, spending your time at church and getting your points, if that's what it was about, we would all be most miserable. But our faith can be securely anchored to our resurrected Messiah. And it's so easy, I think, that if we get into our compounded decisions based on whatever we're going to base it on, and it's not based on the Word of God, we can get caught up in things that do not lead to faith, do not lead to a greater yielding of our hearts to God. Something for us to think about. Don't give your feelings or our experiences more authority and position than the Word of God. Now, our experiences, the things that we experience, the people we know, they're real and they have an effect on us. But if we give them more position in our lives than the Word of God, then the next time our heart wants to do what our body knows is wrong. We have a decision to make, don't we? Because our compounded decisions in that moment, our belief system of how we've made decisions, they're going to begin to bear fruit. And our heart says, oh, that would feel so good. Or it feels so right, I just had to do it. Or whatever it is, right? No one just does things. They, that seed hits the ground and it begins, begins to sprout, and it will get choked, it will bear fruit. 
do very different things based on our compounded decisions. So where are you at on that? How do you make your decisions? Why do you go to this church? Why are you here? What drives your faithfulness to your spouse, to your family, to the church family that you chose to be with? I don't ask those questions to make us doubt or say, well, maybe this isn't worth my time at all. No. But if we can't, Einstein said, if you can't explain it to your grandma, you don't understand it. Now, I don't know that Einstein was all that much of a preacher, right? But if we can't articulate what we believe, we might want to look at our compounded decisions because it would not be a, a, a simple or a pretty thing to get surprised by an action or a reaction and be like, where did that come from? And not realize that that came from our compounded decisions that were simply bearing fruit over time. What I'm going to say next is going to feel like a completely different sermon. And I promise it's not. But I want, to, I want to just add this as a little perspective. Because this sermon is going to find all of us at different stages of our faith journey. And this sermon is not geared towards walking away from the faith. Or why I decided to stay a Christian or anything like that. But it's our whole faith experience of following Jesus can come at us from so many angles. John the Baptist, who was, came to prepare the way for the Messiah, he was one of a kind. There was no one like him before or since that came specifically for the mission that he came to deliver. Well, he was in jail. And we know that he was in jail and he was going to stay there. And he was going to die there. But before he died, he sent his disciples to Jesus and he said, are you the one that was to come or shall we look for another? You've been around church for a long time. You know what he said. John, disciples, I want you to go back and tell John, I want you to rest. I know you're in an uncomfortable position and I want your heart to be at rest and I want you to know that you have fought the good fight and you have surpassed heaven's expectations for you. And you are a superstar. And you can die knowing that you prepared the way better than anyone else could have ever prepared the way for the Messiah. I'm being a little sarcastic because that didn't happen. John's disciples came to Jesus and they said, John wants to know, are you the one that is to come or should we look for another? Are you legit or are you, are you who we are expecting? And this is what Jesus said, you go tell John what you have seen. The lame walk, the blind see, and the good news is preached. And blessed is he that is not offended by me. Why would anyone be offended by Jesus? Why would anyone be offended by Jesus? I can just hear my little kids in that parable of the seeds, you know, and Jesus saying, I, I speak in parables so that um, I'm 
reaching for the wording. So basically, so that not everyone would hear, right? I can just hear my kids saying, Daddy, why doesn't, why did Jesus speak in parables so that not everyone would understand, right? And Jesus, of course, said, it's the Spirit that gives life. It's the Spirit that brings understanding. See, when doubts arise, I think most of us get those doubts at some time. Things happen in life. Maybe we respond in a way that really surprised us. We're like, where did that come from? Or maybe that big figure in our life walks away from the faith and we're left saying, well, what do I believe and why? Or maybe a death occurs or, you know, whatever. When that doubt comes, we can go negative with our compounded decisions or we can run to the Father. We can use the pain in our heart from our betrayals, the people that let us down, from the things our parents did or didn't do, or whatever, you name it. We can allow those feelings to say, you know, that verse in Isaiah, man, that just doesn't make sense, right? Or we can use that, we can recognize that when the Spirit is knocking on our hearts, that's a good thing that should be celebrated. And we can take Jesus' lead And use that as an opportunity to run to him, the Father, and say, Lord, I need you to open the eyes of my heart right now. Father, you know the unbelief, or you know my desire to believe, but Lord, would you help my unbelief right now? Or we can say, you know, that doesn't make sense. And we can start building our case and closing our heart off to that life stream of flow from the Father. There are many that hear. Many are called, but few are chosen. And it is the Spirit that gives life. And then when, whether we feel adequate or not, whether we feel like we have it all under control or not, when the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of our heart, when He's drawing us, we need to respond and we need to press into the Father to receive our strength. We can voice freely our concerns, the things that we feel like we have under control, and the things that we don't have under control, and allow the Father to breathe life into us and build us up. That's how our faith grows. We're not asked to have all the answers. We're not asked to, the Bible says to give a a defense for those that ask of the hope that lies within us, right? Um, it's we need to know, be able to speak for what the Lord's done in our lives, but we're not responsible to defend God. He can defend himself. He's been around a long time. But what we are accountable for is saying yes to him knocking upon the door of our hearts or the way that we respond with our compounded decisions that are made over a lifetime. So as we close, um, these are some things that I found helpful for me in my faith journey. Through the week, through the month, when I go to the Father, talking to him about the pride in my heart. Lord, why did I respond that way? When that person said that and I just jumped right up and I said, well, look what I got here. 
and began to tell that story. Lord, why did I do that? About the unbelief, the misplaced affections, the fears. How easy for it is it to come before God and confess your sins? Say, Lord, would you create in me a clean heart? Would you renew my spirit? Lord, I don't feel really, really renewed right now. Why is that? And have that open dialogue with him because those things compound. Just like not having the conversation and putting your time elsewhere compounds. And then we reap the results. Maybe not right away, but you'll reap them sometime. God, this is how I feel. I feel like I need this to happen so I can feel this way. Is that the way you want me to make decisions? Is that the way, what your word tells me is true? I feel like I'm this right now. Is that, is that how you view me? And those are open-ended questions, right? We have the written word that we can also add to that conversation. But if we don't have those conversations, we're putting ourselves at a place to where we're limiting that spirit and life conversation because we get life from the spirit. And we know what happened to the seeds that sprang up quickly, but the pressures came, the thorns came, the deceitfulness or riches, just other things, you know, time. Things compound in a negative or positive way, and we must be proactive about that. So when things don't go the way you had planned, what's your go-to? What's your go-to? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your sovereignty, for your fact that scripture says from everlasting to everlasting you are God Lord as we pursue faith as we pursue you Lord would you give us the desire and the courage and then the wisdom to do that Lord we need you and we thank you for what you've done for us what you've made available to us Lord, would you meet us where we are and would you do your work and help us to cooperate with you and we'll give you the honor and use the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.